Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Peyton Wild. Peyton is a recent graduate from the software development program at SAIT. He has a strong passion for software development, web design, and all things tech. In addition to his technical skills, he has also ventured into content creation and is currently learning Photoshop and DaVinci Resolve to produce captivating images and videos for his social platforms. When he's not engrossed in coding, Peyton enjoys spending time rock climbing, biking, and cooking. Let's join Peyton as he chats with Dr. Kaylee Sukalek. Peyton, the mic is yours. Welcome to the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast for Rainforest Alberta. My name is Peyton Wild, and I have the pleasure of being joined today by Dr. Kaylee Sukalek. Kaylee is a passionate uh, doctor about evidence-based patient-centered care including telemedicine that can provide high-quality care from wherever a patient may choose. He helped create Alberta's PrEP guidelines and works as a specialist in general internal medicine with additional training in sexual health, including HIV and sexually transmitted infections. He holds a Master's of Public Health from Johns Hopkins University, an MD from the University of Calgary, and an MSc from the University of Alberta. So welcome, Kaylee. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Faden. Sweet. So I guess I kind of like to start off our podcast by just, you know, getting a little bit of your backstory. Like, what what was it like growing up as Kaylee? What's, what was your <laughs> life like a little bit? Ooh, that's a great question. And, you know, there's a, probably a five minute answer and a, a hundred page book answer, but <laughs> so I, I grew up I grew up in Alberta uh, uh, in Edmonton uh, where I did kind of all my you know, elementary secondary school uh, and and did my first two degrees bachelor of science master of science uh, you know as you mentioned there at the University of Alberta uh, growing up in Alberta uh, I, I mean I, I stayed here so I, I, I loved it I still love it. <laughs> A great province to live in. It's a great place to live for a variety of reasons, not just the geography. But uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, kind of pretty quintessential Alberta, or at least northern Alberta and Canadian. I grew up, um, you know, uh, I guess ethnically or from a heritage standpoint, um, Ukrainian, German, mm-hmm. which if you're from the Edmonton areas, the Ukrainian part is pretty typical. Okay, okay. Um, lots of Ukrainian immigrants and and kind of ethnicity up there, and then grew up playing hockey my whole life, uh, which is you know a formative Canadian experience. I feel like for a lot of people, but yeah. also like a really interesting experience as a kid who, from like a very young age, knew I was gay and didn't quite fit uh, yeah. in kind of the standard mold of what everyone else or at least what society kind of painted the picture of. And I uh, guess, you know, thought about it, questioned it, grew up with it. Anyway, I do think it was like, it's very, is very formative to who I am as a person. Um, that, that early recognition, like when I was very young, that I was different in one way, some way, and then you know, realized I was gay. And then, you know, came out in my transition from high school to university, 
with, you know, fortunately, actually, like, I'm really no hardship related to that. I know I'm lucky, mm -hmm. uh, but it's, uh, it, it definitely shaped part of where I think I went in terms of my life. I mean, I've always liked sciences and always been a self-described nerd because uh, I love school, love learning, love sciences, but I also love interacting with people. And that's kind of where medicine caught my attention and the parts of medicine that I wanted to go into were you know, related. I was always interested in HIV. And I think that's partly, you know, growing up gay and, and growing up in kind of the tail end of the era when HIV was like still a very scary thing. Uh, uh, lots of fear-based education. Lots. Of, I mean, there's still lots of stigma, but it was, it was, there was even more. And just like, I think most people my age who are gay or even, you know, older have talked about, you know, growing up in a play in a, in a world where they were afraid of it, felt like it was just inevitable for them. Right. I think that's kind of where some of my interest came from. And anyway, you know, went through medical school, did my internal medicine residency, and then had an opportunity to go to the U.S. for, for a while in terms of doing my master of public health as well as some clinical training where I did that specialization in HIV and, and, and sexually transmitted infections and then came back to Calgary because um, I wanted to stay, but they also gave me an offer that I couldn't really refuse in terms of a nice spread of you know, working as a doctor, so clinically, but also administrative roles and some, some research time, um, which was really important to me. And yeah, and then I, as, as you know, I'm you know, part of Purpose Med. I'm the chief medical officer. Yeah. Which is, you know, three years ago or more than three years ago now, uh, an idea that one of my friends from medical school and his brother-in-law and one of his really good friends, our three co-founders had, and and I got very early involved in that. And then it led to Freddie and then Frida. And we actually just launched another um, platform uh, two days ago on Wednesday called Foria. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It's been a wild ride. You know, we started as the three of them and a couple extras, you know, less than 10 of us for the first many months. And then now we, you know, have over 200 employees across the country and it's, yeah, that startup to scale and it's been pretty crazy and not something I ever thought I would do. Like I, I was yeah. like, I did my training cause I was going to be a doctor and like a researcher. And, you know, now I, I, I still do a lot of those things, but I also do all of this and it's just, uh, it's crazy, but it's so exciting and it's been so amazing to be involved in like innovation and change that happens rapidly. And, and yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That, that sounds super cool. I, I guess like it really sounds to me like you kind of had this idea of what traditional was and then just kind of like followed your passion and like went for it and did your own thing, which, yeah, I don't know. That seems super cool. It's super inspiring for sure. Yeah. My husband tells me that I have, I lack the ability to say no, which I would disagree with. I say no to lots of things. Uh, and not like, not like, no, I can't do that. But like, no, this isn't right for me right now, or this is not the right time. Mm -hmm. That's the way I kind of look at life is like, you're all, you're just always presented with so many opportunities and choices and chances. And you can't say yes to everything, but you, you know, the things that seem worthwhile, seem exciting, seem to, you know, coincide or collide with your passions, then it's probably worth it. Like this is, 
this, that, you know, this, this was an opportunity to like innovate, work in a space that I was really passionate about. Uh, Cause when I did my training in, in, at Hopkins, I was, I did research, but I did a dual certificate, one of them in health informatics. So health IT is kind of okay. like actually from the clinical side of in like IT is, is where I come into it. And it was just okay. like a way to just like throw them all together into one basket and I don't know, yeah. see what happens. <laughs> just kind of start something. that is just keeps on rolling and growing so yeah uh yeah i guess i wanted to dive in a little bit more to your early life because you kind of just like breeze by that but you were saying that you were playing hockey and you knew from a young age that you were gay and you didn't really face any like trials or tribulations with that and that doesn't really seem typical, I guess, in a lot of the conversations I've had with other gay men. And so I'm just kind of wondering how that was for you or like, was it your family support or was it your friends or like what really like support structure did you have in place that kind of, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, I guess when I, when I meant that I didn't have a ton of like trials and tribulations was around the actual coming out process. So when I was like 18, I definitely, I mean, I, I, so when I probably knew I was different, like the age of like four or five like just wow. in some way or another and not yeah. not like i mean there's no like you don't understand it because you sure you know, like no one's thinking about that part of their life when they're four or five i just felt i felt different <laughs> I, I knew i felt different and i i mean there's probably other ways that i feel different but but i related most closely to that and it was you know even like you're what like 10 11 12 and you know your your friends start talking about like ooh girls and or at least my friends were talking about like ooh girls and i just was like i don't get it like i hmm. this makes no i don't i don't want to like yeah girls are great they're friends but like i don't want to think about them talk about it that way and and you know just evolved from there is an understanding of myself and I mean, as a, this is pretty common amongst the gay community as you talk about, you know, internal homophobia and internal stigma. Um, sure. And I had a ton of that. And yeah. a lot of that, unfortunately, is a result of societal and institutional mm-hmm. homophobia and, and stigma because you just don't you don't see yourself in the world. And it's not like my parents, I didn't hear them make like derogatory like comments or slurs like, no, that was that was never the case. It was it just it just wasn't the normal. It wasn't, mm-hmm. I don't remember my parents actually different. having any gay, Yeah, different, right? Like my, I don't remember my parents having gay friends, that sort of thing. And I mean, I, I can definitely say I remember extended family members making like homophobic comments and things like that. So, yeah. you know, I by proxy associated with my closer family. Um, and anyway, you know, it carries on from there. And then you, you play hot, like I played hockey, right? And like, it's sure. a very like, well, at least it probably still is. I don't now, but when I was, it was like a very like macho and you like yeah. manual, man, manly, masculine, however you want to describe it. And um, <laughs> not, not, not a great culture for like a young gay kid, at least in my experience, yeah. it wasn't. Um, and, and so it, it like, it kind of fanned the flames of the, that internal homophobia kind of until I stopped mm-hmm. playing hockey. And then I, yeah, it was really just, I like, I like, literally hit university and i was like oh there's this whole new group of people this is a whole new environment and i i remember it was like my lab partner in my first year university was the first person i ever like actually told that i was gay Mm -hmm. and because i was like well i don't know you and like i mean i guess we're stuck together for a semester but like i don't know if you don't like if you don't like it that's too bad for you like Mm -hmm. uh 
anyway, she was like, kind of like, okay, like, great. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty nonchalant about it. Like you, you like told yeah, this person actually. your biggest secret and they're like, yeah, cool. <laughs> Thanks, I guess. But, <laughs> well, but which is like also the best response you, in my opinion, that you can get right. to making a statement like that. You almost like you, you expect, don't want, but expect a reaction. Then you don't get one. And then, I mean, yeah, there's the immediate like, oh, oh yeah, this is like a non-issue or should be a non-issue. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so we, and then it just kind of funneled from there. And I like told all my high school friends and who I still talk to. And I do remember telling the one we were like, we had been out drinking and we were like, I remember distinctly sitting at A&W post bar. And like, I just was like, I'm gay. And he was like, hey, yeah, <laughs> and was like, what? And he's like, oh, we all know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know, he's like, no, I mean, like, we said, like, sorry, we like, we pretty much assumed you were. Right. Which, and then I was like, oh, okay. So I like, do I need to tell everyone else? He's like, well, you probably should because <laughs> they should hear it from you as opposed yeah. to continuing sort of to a bit assume. Different than assume, yeah. Yeah. Well, and also he was like, I mean, he, he's a wonderful human. And it's like, well, I, like, it's not my job to tell them. I mean, I can if you want me to, but mm. it, like, you know, yeah. Uh, Anyway, it was it was like again one of those like great oh this is like a, a good experience. That's not to say I haven't faced homophobia before because I hundred percent have. Like I mean, yeah. within the last year, I've been walking down the street in Calgary with my husband and had a slur yelled at a window, which is like it's not a Calgary specific thing. It's not an Alberta specific thing. Like I've experienced it elsewhere in the world. It's like it, it's just there are unfortunate people who choose to hate or dislike as opposed to share like love and kindness and acceptance no matter where you live right like by and large i have had yeah. a great experience growing up in alberta and you know edmonton and calgary so all that is to right. say is that like but all of those things kind of like and mostly the internal stuff really i think yeah. shaped how i i feel and felt and i mean when we started freddie part of it was my understanding of how unfortunately like in the medical system i definitely think mm -hmm. there's stigma around the you know i'm going to say just whole queer community like the whole 2s lgbtq and not just yeah. stigma but also like lack of understanding of behaviors and practices and just how communities differ right like sure. each right. community has you know parts of it that are themselves and anyway so that that was part of what drove the creation of freddy at the outset was okay like trying to create a service and a program that really catered to a population because they didn't have that elsewhere so hmm. wow yeah i can definitely kind of re relate a bit to the like internal turmoil i guess or struggle i mean i think every kind of human experience is that to a certain degree or in a certain way but yeah i think there's there's kind of those like points in your life where, where you have the opportunity to like express something different about yourself whether it's new school or a new friend group or a new hobby or something like there's always kind of those opportunities when you can yeah you guys show something about yourself and yeah it's really yeah, cool yeah, to hear everyone, that. Everyone, everyone feels a little bit different for some reason right like no matter right. what it is and it's i guess for me that's one of the things that definitely like help i guess develop me into who i am as a person right yeah i guess something else that really kind of struck me when we first were talking was just kind of like how much learning you've done and how much like studying and like you know i guess you kind of started this 
podcast off with talking about like, oh, I'm a nerd. I, I like nerdy, which I don't know. The term nerd, I don't know really what it means anymore. But yeah, I guess the, the I question I really have... Don't worry. Self-described. Okay. I'm also similar. I'm a nerd, but I'm a nerd in a lot of different ways as well. That's another topic for another day. But um, yeah, I guess, I guess with learning, my question is kind of how did you plan it or was it not really planned? Did you just kind of follow your passion and your curiosity or what was kind of your process for kind of choosing the next thing? Oh, I mean, I, I, I kind of like I had a suspicion that I wanted to go to med school when I was applying to university. Um, okay. And so I did, uh, whether this is, you know, a smart decision or a good decision or not, I don't know, but I was like, I'm going to do an honors bachelor degree because you know, that sounds like, that sounds like Im- impressive. And I know you have to like do things that are impressive to get into med school. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. Uh, which like in retrospect is just like setting yourself up for a harder program with more work associated with it and probably getting a lower GPA, which in med school, they don't care what you did. They just look at the GPA, <laughs> like for med school applications. Anyway, it's so a number. They're, they're... A good idea. <laughs> yeah. But, but it did kind of like, it did lead me to where I was kind of going. I mean, one, I learned a lot about the human body and I think it was very helpful to, you know, becoming a physician or a doctor, but it, it was during that, that I like you do an honors program. So you do a thesis in your Mm -hmm. undergrad. And so I did that and that's what actually led to my master's of science at at the U of A was like, I just, where I, the lab, I did my honors program and I did my master's in, and I mean, part of that was because I loved the work and the environment and and part of it was i you know i got waitlisted for medical school and didn't actually get in right after my <laughs> undergrad so i was like i like i'd applied i'd actually applied like i'd applied to both right. um being like, viewers. yeah totally yeah, yeah like like if you only take what's what's the wayne gretzky thing you miss all the shots you don't take or something like that. i don't know what, <laughs> back back to hockey like, yep <laughs> yeah back to hockey but you know i so i applied to both got into master's program uh, and didn't get into med school that year and so it was like okay well you know obviously that's where i'm going and i don't want to describe it as the second choice it was just like i liked both things and and uh, was really fortunate that way and anyway i uh did my master's uh had pretty strong encouragement throughout that that i should do my phd um and and like it was something I was contemplating, but I, that doing a PhD, that would have been a second choice <laughs> that I'm aware of. <laughs> um, yeah. And anyway, so I, I, I applied to med school as I was like finishing my master's and, and got in the University of Calgary. U of A waitlisted me again, didn't let me in. Too bad for them. Also yep. too bad for me. But at the same time, I was really excited to move. I know it's like just a couple okay. hours south, but it was just like really exciting to be somewhere that wasn't my hometown right um, yeah the new experience and, thing yeah oh totally yeah and so yeah moved to calgary for medical school and kind of dabbled and did a bunch of different things there i didn't mention it i actually did start in my residency in psychiatry so okay as i was really interested in mental health and yeah um, and i still really like mental health and think mental health is of equal importance to physical health right but i i kind of found that in internal medicine, I could do both and I could treat like physical ailments and recognize physical disease and ill and, and, and 
but then also there's the mental health part of it and you see a lot of mental health. And so that's where I anyway, ended up where, where I did. And it was a little bit of, I mean, obviously when you're in medical school and trying to pick a residency program, so a specialty, yeah. you yeah. have to, uh, I mean, you have to have intent, you have to apply, you have to like, and, and you can't just apply with not having done ethic, like electives, they call them. So basically like extra rotations, yeah. or research projects or other things. So you have to like have purpose behind your applications. And right. anyway, so did all of that. And, uh, you know, I ended up doing general internal medicine as a, a fellowship, which like takes you to the end of five years. But I very heavily considered infectious disease with my interest in HIV and, and, and sexual health. But mm-hmm. uh, I really like certain parts of the hospital. and I liked being a bit more general. Yeah. Uh, but then ended up doing extra training in HIV and STIs anyway. So, you know, whether that was the right choice or not, we'll never know, but I would say I'm still pretty happy with where I ended up with, but it, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it kind of, part of it's like chasing passions. Part of it is like, um, you know, recognizing like where, like I was a bit strategic too, in terms of like where I think sure. like, what's really employable? Like, what do I need Mm -hmm. to do extra training in? What do I not need to do extra training in to get to the areas that I want to go to? Um, And the the stuff in the US and the Master of Public Health was, um, I mean, in all honesty, I probably didn't have to do it to get my job at the University of Calgary. Well, at least not with Alberta Health Services, but with the University of Calgary paid for most of that master's. Very nice. Uh, Yeah. Got some school paid for at least. Uh, yeah yeah well and uh considering the masters in the u.s was more expensive than all of my other school combined yeah which is yes uh but i you know one was a recruitment kind of grant from the university of calgary the other was just uh some like supplementary training funding and kind of cobbled together a few different funding sources through the university, through Alberta Health Services, through a nonprofit that was looking to expand, like, or not, I guess it's an academic nonprofit looking to kind of expand expertise in areas. Anyway, cobble <laughs> together the money to pay for that master's. So yeah, at least I didn't have to. And it was like from the university side, it was pretty, they were encouraging it because they, I had realized I kind of liked academic work, like research, right. I guess, again. Yeah. Um, anyway, it, and all that is to say that it results in lots of initials behind your name <laughs> that other people like, I mean, this is recognition of time in my opinion. Like sure. uh, yeah. to me, it's more um, like my passion in the areas is more important than anything else. But I sure. guess they give you the, the degrees and the initials give you authority to speak on things, which is somewhat important. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it can also kind of demonstrate the passion side because like, you know, you can't really put like a, a passion scale behind your name. Like, oh, like passionate True. about this, like five, True. passionate about this seven, like, you know, like <laughs> doesn't carry as much weight in a boardroom, you know, or like, <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't, what did I, I think I did uh, 15 or 16 years of post-secondary. Right. Uh, and that's a lot. Yes. <laughs> you know, so, so, so all those little letters behind it are telling other people, I did a lot of learning, you know, I, yeah. I've, yeah. I've studied this. I am passionate about it and I've put in work for many years doing it. It's not like a, 
fleeting like idea, you know, you're not just not just a, a YouTube doctor, you know. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. And I mean, you are right. Yeah, it's it's time is is denotes the passion. It's also time of not making very much money. <laughs> That's <paying>. that takes. <laughs> yeah, that takes passion. It takes passion to <laughs> to to live cheap. And yeah, no, I I guess I've definitely done some schooling as well and been in. Yeah, where you're like, huh, I don't know if I should. You know, go with friends this weekend or buy food. You know, it's like, okay. <laughs> yes. The tough decisions you got to make sometimes. But yeah, I guess I think it's a really good segue. You were talking about kind of like the mental health side of it. Do you want to kind of just speak about thing you launched two days ago that's to do with mental health? Is it not? Uh, no, it was two days ago is not mental health. Frida, okay. which we is oh, on March 1st, Frida turned a year old. Okay. But the one that launched Wednesday is Foria. Foria. Okay. So Foria is uh, kind of a play on words, uh, I guess, somewhat mental health related. So the DSM or the Diagnostic Statistics Manual, it's used in psychiatry and, and psychology for, I guess, assessment of what they consider mental health conditions. Unfortunately, gender dysphoria is still listed in that. It used to be called, I can't remember the old name, gender something disorder, which it's not a disorder. It's, it's more, they renamed it dysphoria, I think, more to reflect, you know, when someone is not cisgendered, there's, you know, an associated collection of symptoms and that's anxiety, depression, trauma, you know, related to experiencing at least the early parts of people's lives, you know, not as their true self. Right. Being misgendered and other such things. Uh, so, you know, we, if we think of dysphoria, but you can also think of euphoria. And so phoria is a way of, of thinking about that. And that was, uh, that's where that name came from, which, you know, I, I cannot take any credit for having, for, for, for coming up with it. But I can <laughs> say that, you know, amongst our, our, our company internally, when it was proposed as the name, it was pretty much unanimous. Like, not just the name yeah. is, you know, it sounds good and it rolls off the tongue nicely, sure. but it's, it's also just like the, the thinking behind developing that name. And yeah, Sephoria deals, you know, is meant as a service to help with, with gender care or gender affirming care. So, you know, trans and gender diverse individuals and hormone therapy more hormone blocking just allow people to have their physical self more closely represent you know their internal identity gotcha and it start, started it so launched only in ontario so far okay and it's i mean the other part of the story behind this is it's kind of um you know a re-envisioning of a clinic that already exists so there was it's called connect clinic and it Ontario changed their physician funding model and the clinic was no longer, uh, I guess, financially viable. And I'd reached out to their medical director and we're trying to think of ways to help them stay afloat because it's, it's very closely, you know, it, it's dealing with, you know, the transgender and to some extent queer and gender diverse populations, which is very closely, you know, close to my heart as community members, but also to the work mm -hmm. that Freddie does in that population. Right. which is our first brand. And so it, it reached out to, to Dr. Kate Greenaway and we talked and we're trying to strategize ways of getting her money and keeping her clinic open and, um, you know, conversations with the Ontario government, with other entities, funders didn't 
unfortunately didn't didn't go anywhere. Mm. You know, probably ways we could have found our money to scrap together to get months of of you know operations at a time, but that's that's not feasible, reasonable, et cetera. And so you know, proposed the idea of kind of an enveloping the clinic and rebranding the clinic under purpose med, which you gotcha. know, Dr. Greenway was after many conversations she was on board with. And so after a couple months of planning, strategizing, uh, we were able to launch Foria. And so, yeah, it's, it's had a very, I think, very good response so far. Like we'd been kind of piloting it for a couple, just over a month now. And before the launch, just to make sure we had a lot, you know, processes and other things thought out as it relates to how we work as an entity, purpose med. And mm-hmm. so it's, it, yeah, but it's, it's, third kind of clinical care brand for us. And I'm really okay. excited because I just think, I mean, you don't have to go very far to hear news. I mean, what the Supreme Court of the US just today ruled on a decision that basically yeah. allows people to discriminate and refuse service to people based on their identities if they don't like it, which is like, yeah, I, like, I, I kind of heard that. Like, you don't have to like me, but you, I don't know, you can't hate me, like, at least not outwardly. I don't want to know. Right. And yeah. so it's, you know, and we, we operate like, you know, our, our mental health brand, which is Frida and, and now Foria, yeah. because of the way we operate with a largely nurse practitioner model, which no province funds nurse practitioners. And, you know, we have a whole company that has to run this. There, there are fees associated for patients, which is, you know, we could talk, of, we can get a whole other conversation about universal health care and the fact that yeah. Canada doesn't actually adequately fund health care and and services right. and provide them. And certainly if they're I kind of, you know, it's strange to say as a business, I wish we didn't need to exist, but obviously sure. we do. And yeah, I think we can do, we've, we've done some really innovative things in all the spaces we, we operate in and we'll continue to. So yeah, but it's, it's exciting to launch for you and, you know, starting Ontario now, I'm sure it will grow and, as our other brands have grown across the country and yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's cool. That's super exciting. I, I guess just for a second, let's take a step back and maybe yeah. some of our listeners don't really know about purpose med. So could you just yeah. kind of give me a little description of purpose med? Cause I guess you kind of said like the umbrella and then you talked about Freddie and stuff. And I guess I know about all the different kind of companies that you're working with to an extent, but yeah, just kind of give us a brief overview of what Purpose Med is and kind of what the mission of it is and all the little, I don't know, tendrils it's put out, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and just, you, you know, you mentioned this before we started recording, but the, is it, is it technology? So, right. so Purpose Med is parent company uh, overarching all of our other services. And, and the way I would reflect it is, you know, Purpose Med is is the owner of the technology because we do have technology that underlies like our own product that allows yeah. for the patient and their provider or their healthcare professionals and the support staff to interact. And, you know, it's both like a technology, but it's, it's also, you know, I think of technology as like, yeah, there's like the physical, like, you know, zeros and ones of software and hardware that's, but, and, and hardware pieces, but technology and innovation is also in process. And, yeah and I think we, we really lean into both of those things and how, 
you know, the zeros and ones of softwares or platforms can work with process innovations to really create services. And so I would describe us most as a health technology and service company um, right. or health service technology company, however you want to say it. Um, <laughs> put the, the three words together. Yeah, yeah, put the three words together and arrange them however you want. But overarchingly, you know, we're we're a private entity and and for profit, but I describe us as, as very close to social enterprise as, as a private company can be because we're very mission driven and it's around, you know, complex care for underserved populations. And, you know, yeah. all of our brands very much do that. You know, Freddie in HIV prevention among the queer population, Frida, mental health, you know, particularly focused on on women's health issues, but but not exclusively. And then Foria now with with gender care. And, and we do have a pharmacy brand, Affirming Care, that is associated and partnered with all of those, uh, those other kind of health service or health care brands. And, and really the, the part of that is, is having a team because healthcare often involves you know, medications. It is an independent pharmacy, but it partners with all these other brands. So as, as you know, we want, we want all aspects of the healthcare kind of experience of our patients to be with people who are truly affirming and understand their you know health situation health conditions and and advise around that and so yeah it, it's yeah there's the technology at the top with purpose med and so sure. it, you know we we operate these brands as various ways to connect with patients and you know each brand is a little bit different in how it operates a little bit different in how it funds itself, but or generates revenues to operate and and innovate. But yeah, that's that's purpose met as a whole. Purpose met as a whole. Wow. Yeah. I think what really struck me in what you said is that like technology isn't innovation. The the things you can create with technology or the ideas behind it or the mission behind it is where the true innovation happens. So yeah, I, re- I really like that message of like it's not that we are a technology company. It's that we have a mission to provide the best service for people. And so that's what drives us. And that's kind of like what, what steers it. And yeah. yeah and it's really so like, you know, cause we have like the front end service and the operations, we have the underlying, you know, product design and engineering technology, you know, department and division that really helps create all the structure and, and the platform and, and interactivity behind it. And, you know, we don't often think of this in healthcare, but like we do also have marketing and that marketing is around right. like, not just like, oh, let's put up some ads, but like, <laughs> like, how do we, you know, how do we interact best with our patients and how do we, you know, this is an issue in all aspects of healthcare. How do we retain people in care, uh, right. you know, appropriately, but how do we retain them in care in a way that they understand their condition? They understand what they, you know, need or might not need. And so it's, you know, it's developing health content too, right? So our, our marketing area yeah. is, is more than just, Ooh, let's make some Instagram ads <laughs> or, or like nice content. pictures and stuff. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, I actually think our team does a very good job of that, but Absolutely. But I, yeah. Yeah. The, the that underlying content that we drive out to our patients is is right. also so important role, such an important role. Right. And I guess that kind of content almost acts as the marketing in the sense of like providing good health information and stuff like that. And access is like, you know, totally it, it markets itself, I guess, to an extent, which it does. And I mean, I, cool. I can see our like our website 
gets way more traffic than we say have like inactive patients. And, and that's like, right. I mean, I think that's part of our mission is like, you know, I, uh, you know, any of our clinical content that's on our website is reviewed by someone, you know, within the clinical space. So right. at least we know it's reputable, right? Like it's not some random yeah. Google search. It, you know, <laughs> it's someone, not some YouTube doctors. <laughs> yeah. Not YouTube doctors <laughs> with a, with, you know, different credentials behind their name <laughs> or none <laughs> or, or none. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's really, that's really great to hear. I, I definitely think that in the space of the internet as a whole, you know, there's so much information that actually being confident that your information is reputable and stuff like that without having to do all the background research yourself, I think is, is super valuable. Yeah. And yeah, most of that content's cool. driven by our patients, right? Like it's, it's what people right. ask for. It's, it's like that it's allows us to be responsive and craft things for and update things too, right. In, in terms of for sure. the changing information around. Totally. Yeah. I think kind of on that like note, you're, you're kind of LinkedIn bio when I was reading through it, you're talking about like how the world is ever changing and like, you got to just kind of keep moving forward and adapting and stuff like that. And I guess what's kind of the next step? Like, are, are you guys, you're all across Canada right now, right? Is kind of like my understanding or. Yeah. So, so not all of our services, none of our services are truly national in terms of all across yeah. where we certainly have that aim, mm -hmm. you know, it's healthcare in particular is, I mean, not just the clinic, like, you know, taking care of humans is complex, but, but the yeah. regulatory space around healthcare, uh, is a very complex thing. And, um, sure. you know, some countries set these policies nationally okay. in a place like Canada, it's provincially set, gotcha. which makes that everyone's has their own nuance and, uh, everything, you know, so that that does require, you know, separate licenses for providers or recruiting new providers, you know, the regulatory considerations of providing care labs, if you, you know, blood tests, other investigations, uh, you know, using even te technology and getting it approved for use mm -hmm. in various jurisdictions. Uh, so it's, there's, there's a lot to launching in various areas. And so as right. we kind of, etch away and and try and have that truly national scope um yeah and you know being in the healthcare space that also often involves a lot of conversation with you know government and and, and right. other kind of policy decision makers <laughs> so it, yeah it, it's it's yeah slow but it definitely is one of our goals uh and okay. I, I mean i i don't think i don't think we need to stop there either uh in terms of right. just you know being canadian in our context because i think what you know, health of humans is important everywhere in the world. And, um, you know, the pace at which we accomplish each and every one of these things is a bit dependent on, you know, the talent we can acquire and our own, the capacity of the talent we have in house, you know, ever changing regulations. Cause it's not just entering right. new spaces. It's also responding to regulatory changes in places we already operate. And, Totally. Tell you in three years, there's been a lot of changes in health regulation across basically all Canadian provinces. So it's not it's not a, you know you plan to do something to enter a new space, and then two or three of the provinces you currently work in start change regulation, and then you have to go back and you know that has to take a front seat because that's just part right. of your already existing operations. And so there's there's all these uh, 
things to factor in. And I mean, yeah. no one said this was going to be easy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's not like many pieces of life that are easy, but it, right. and you know, I don't truly believe that, what is it, that nothing, nothing good comes easy. Of course, there's things that are good that come easy, but like, you know, it's a labor of love and we right. are, are, are growing as evidenced by the last three years and we'll continue to, we hope. Uh, and yeah. we're pretty sure, but yeah. Super cool. There's also yeah. new space. There's new, there's new care spaces too, right? Like it's not just expanding what right. we do across and as evidenced by, yeah. the, you know, now we have three different care platforms. One right. thing that is for sure is once you, you know, once we operate one service in a province, it is easier to, Port them into okay. other provinces. We'll see our technology and everything else we do is already, you know, say for for you know our mental health brand. You know, we operate in three provinces right now, but it, you know it'll be pretty quick when we are operating in all the provinces we operate Freddie in, right? Because we already have something there, so we that's way easier, right? And same with Foria, okay. this new brand is its ability to expand into those other provinces will be you know, pretty quick. And, and, and so we can, those are things we can do more quickly. So yeah, yeah. once you have that kind of like initial foothold type thing, it's a yeah, little faster. And it's, it's, um, yeah, no, it, it's, it, I mean, like I said, it's, it's ever responding to, you know, changes and, you know, when you, in like a business sense, you talk about external factors and they're constantly coming at you and yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of the way it rolls, I guess. <laughs> yes. So I guess kind of some of my closing thoughts, how can people really get involved with Purpose Med and this whole kind of revolution, I guess, in the in the tech space and the, the health space? And how can people kind of like support it and stuff? Or what's the best way to do that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, I am biased and I think we're great. We're, we're not the only people innovating in the tech space, health tech space, even the virtual health space. Uh, but I, I think we stick very close to this mission that we have identified and uh, you know the it's not as if there's an unlimited number of of positions and jobs we have available but we certainly are growing and will continue to grow and so those you know postings and the career opportunities are available on our website purposemed.com it's and i mean obviously we're very happy to have local talent here in the Alberta context or our head offices in Calgary, but we, we do, you know, have staff, we truly have staff all across the country. And so, you know, being a virtual care company, we obviously can also have our, our staff work virtually. And so it does increase that talent pool that you can pull from, which is great. And, you know, it, the other thing is when you hire people, you also want to set them up for success. And so, if you hire too much too fast, it, it can also create a strain on really getting people set up right to be their most productive selves and the happiest in their roles. So we are very, you know, we're aware and, and increasingly focused on that too. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's the opportunities within Purpose Med for sure. I think, like I said, there are other, you know, health tech and virtual health companies too innovating in the space. And, and I think... Mm-hmm. You know, we're all like I, I speak with the medical leadership of other virtual health companies, you know, in the same spaces okay. in us, in other spaces, because we all we all recognize we all are trying to do the same thing and bridge gaps in the system as it as it as it exists. And mm-hmm. you know, I worked in the U.S. I know what a U.S. based private health care looks like. I 
I know right. we're not that at Purpose Med. They can't say that 100% for every other company, but it, I think, you know, to, to everyone else or the general public is I don't, just because there's a fee associated with it doesn't, doesn't make it evil in healthcare. Mm. I think that is, everything requires a little bit closer look than that. And, you know, and, you know, government and policy makers and decision makers in Alberta and across the country, I think it's recognizing the gaps that exist and, you know, we at Purpose Med, we're not opposed to regulation, right? Like I think healthcare mm-hmm. needs to be regulated to ensure quality and safety and the things that are really important because patients have to come first. Sure. And I think it's, it's, but, but we also don't want regulation to stifle innovation. Right. And, and so it's finding that balance somewhere in there. And I think for you know, the average person on the street, it's recognizing that and recognizing that, you know, we're trying to innovate in the space, create some new ways of doing things. And yeah, and it, it, I mean, there's opportunities here, there's opportunities elsewhere. And I, I'm really just happy to see like the whole tech space of Calgary growing because yeah. I want to, you know, everyone loves diversification of industry, <laughs> but it's, it's also, sure. uh, just like exciting to see the city change in that way and the province change in that way. And I mean, even nationally, right? Like tech in Canada is growing. Totally. So it's, it's just exciting to see overall and, and where it'll take us. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I, I just had an awesome time today talking with you. It was, <laughs> it was so cool to like hear all your insight and yeah, just all the like knowledge you bring from the years and years of studying you're doing and I guess the okay. years you continue to study. It's, it's so <laughs> cool to just sit down and talk with somebody that's, you know, living the work and living the, the experience and, and innovating. It's really, really cool. Um, but yeah, thanks so much, Kaylee. Yes. And uh, yeah, to all the viewers, thank you uh, so much for tuning into the podcast this week. Hope you enjoyed and have a wonderful day. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by New Idea Machine. Going beyond creating custom software solutions, NIM is dedicated to making a positive impact on society, providing opportunities for new software developers to gain real-world experience and contribute to meaningful projects. You get quality, affordable solutions at the same time you're supporting the growth and development of the next generation of skilled talent. Visit newideamachine.com for more info. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>